It's the second cup of Joe and John with Joe Elvis and John Dwyer. Joe, did I ever tell you my story about how I got introduced to country and Western music? I think you're about to. Yeah. Uh, great line from the Police Brothers, by the way, right? That says, what kind of music do you play here? We, play, we have both kinds, country and Western. And Western. <laughs> yeah, so, so 1991, 1.0, <clears throat> that's code for first marriage. <laughs> Honeymoon, we live in Fort Myers, Florida. We decide, well, that's not tropical enough, so we go on a Caribbean cruise. We book because of the ports. And I, you know, I'm sure it was all Banana Island, St. Thomas, and St. Ma- I have no idea. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's a lot of things I don't want to remember about that time. But anyway, we book and we get on the causeway. And as we are entering the boat on our honeymoon, there's this picture of both of us wide-eyed going, what have we done? Because we are, as the picture is being taken... It says, welcome to the Country Western Cruise. Yes. Dottie West, Bobby Goldsboro, and your comedian, Henry Cho, who I've told him because he lives here in the national area and told him he was on that. I said, you're the reason, you know, I I got a divorce. I just, you know, (laughs) I thought you were funny. She didn't. And no, that's not true. But so we spent a whole week on this themed cruise. and, And no disrespect, I was not really into Country Western. So... Um, we hit like the disco alternative nightclub or something like that, but that's about it for, so, you, so our guest today, you're going to have to saddle up big boy. Hey, uh, uh, our guest has, has spanned the era of all that. My first job when I moved to uh, Tennessee in 1978 was working for Conway Twitty. So I came from, Name dropper. I came from Delaware, which was about you know 20 minutes uh, from, from Philadelphia. So I grew up on Philadelphia radio, Philadelphia sports, moved to Nashville. There was Greer Stadium, and that was it. Yeah, 1978. And there was country music. And my summer job was working at Twitty City. Conway Twitty built a, a big compound and a multimedia life story. So you went in, went through the whole tour of his life, and then came out back, and then you met me, and I took you on the tour through the grounds, which is probably how I got into broadcasting, holding a megaphone and trying to entertain 20, 25 people from Michigan off a tour bus at a time. What was the name of that place? Twitty City. It's Twitty still City. there. It's, it's still there? sold. Okay. It's uh, something else now. T The TBM... <laughs> Ministries has it or whatever, but uh, he built his kids all homes behind his main house, and uh, that was my introduction to Conway to, to country and Western music. Because Conway, so we're we're so qualified to to have this guest. We we are. are so way out of our league. We Can, you have I, I I must say I don't know. I mean, did she sign a contract? Did you is she on a residual? <laughs> what how how did you get this person to the global international JTG headquarters in East Nashville? What what. You have pictures? I mean, what, what? How did this happen? I think it was probably about 30 years ago, Katie cut my hair. And um, that explains a seven, three, eight size bowl or what? 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 Just right across like, the top. I <laughs> took my mullet down. Actually, no, I didn't. I don't know. If, I don't think I had the permed mullet in those era, in that era. But uh, I met Katie. Uh, it probably was almost 30 years ago. Katie was cutting hair. And uh, my wife, then not wife, but my now wife, uh, we all got to be friends. And so Katie told me one day, uh, she said, well, I think I'm going to start a band. And boom, she starts a band. 
a band called Reno, and they end up charting on the Billboard charts. And then I see her again. She goes, well, I think I want to be in TV. But have you ever been in TV? Not really. So she goes in, I think, with blue or pink hair, she'll tell us, uh, and, and uh, has a, a interviews at CMT, gets the main Gets position. the gig, yeah. Fast forward later, she has another band called Suncat, which we'll talk about. Anything Katie Cook wants to do, she accomplishes. She's always been a, a great motivator for me and just one of those, uh, a, a great example of you set your a goal on something and you achieve it. And so uh, we're going to let her career fill in the rest of the introduction because it's enormous and it goes in 20 different directions. But uh, you've seen her on CMT. You can hear her right now on the Apple Music any time anywhere you want katie cook is live right now in the jtg international headquarters katie welcome thanks for hanging out hi joe and john i'm so <laughs> how, how regret oh yeah oh are you no, <laughs> She's like, Shit. no seriously after that intro i just hope i live up but i do have a question joe did you have to wear the little conway twitty shorts when you did those tours i did not oh god I, well i had my little blue shorts and my twitty sheet twitty city <laughs> easy now <laughs> Couldn't say that late in the day. Twitty City t-shirt. What about Twitty the tall City. socks? That's it. Okay. Yep. And Con- this is when Conway where was- would, a- Where is this located? It's in Hendersonville. Oh, okay. And uh, you have Twitty City. And then you had, uh, oh, here we're going with the memory thing. You had a couple other, Stan, uh, you had a couple other country music stars that had things out there. Johnny Cash. Yeah, lived there was the a guy street. named Cash. He did yeah. pretty well. Johnny Ca- <laughs> House of Cash was across the street. So mm-hmm. it was just that era. Hendersonville was the hot spot to live in with the lakes and all the, you could see the Oak Ridge boys at the store or Ronnie McDowell or any of those kind of guys. Yeah. So um, did, did, was, did you like that era of country music? I like all eras of country music. I, I do lean a little more old school. You know, that's more pleasing to my ears. I think just the instrumentation. I love fiddle and steel guitar. I love banjo. You know, I'm, I lean a little bluegrass. So I, I do like older country for the most part. But that, man, I think the 90s really was the golden time for country music, though. Maybe, really? maybe that's just my age. But I just think the songwriting was just incredible. And it's when people were still, you know, really spending money on music videos and, and selling records. I mean, you know, songwriters were just, that was the greatest time for a songwriter in country music for sure. So that's kind of my favorite time. Who would be the bands of that era? Oh gosh, of the night. Well, I mean, obviously like Alabama and right. um, Tracy Lawrence, Joe Diffie, it's a, you know, Garth. I mean, it's just that whole time and all the women from that time. Sh- Shania as well. is, 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 I think Shania, you know, yeah. Sh- Super hot back then, right? I mean, yeah, just and Reba and Trisha, just, <laughs> you know, and Dolly through all of it. But that might have been my favorite time. Funny, we just went, we just have to say first names and, and you know who they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, the, the girl that uh, was in the divorce room, uh, uh, maybe I'm Dina getting, Carter, Dina Carter. Oh, yeah, Katie, Katie <laughs> was part of that era too. Is that right? Do, yeah. oh, do, oh, do, God, you, do yeah. you know, do you know yeah. about the divorce room or, or that? That uh, uh, well, here's, or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, no, just, I just remember hanging out with Dina just, at Joe's house, <laughs> swimming in the pool. Katie at the time, Katie at the time was dating one of our other guests, Mike Grimes. I was talking about Cow's Law. 
Oh, yeah. And so the one bedroom this off the side. This is a wicked web we weave. I did not know. This is good. Yeah. So Nashville. We yeah. were t- uh, yeah. the, the empty room that was always on the end, we called it the, the divorce room for the guys because whatever guy came off a relationship, that's where he ended up. <laughs> that's true. It was. And so you had Katie and Mike Grimes. And then in the other bedroom was Mike Romanowski, uh, who just won three Grammys. Romo. And then Krista Croach uh, was single at the time, was in that room and met Dina Carter. Yeah. So just in the loft of Cowslaw was quite a bit of talent that came out over the years. So is that what you call it? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you didn't. Um, you grew up in, or you were born in London. I was born in London. We moved here in '76, and so uh, we we moved back and forth a little bit. So I I do still spend a lot of time in England, and my parents do too. And we've we've moved back and forth, like I said, but. I consider myself, you know, more American at this point, obviously. And I was, I lost my accent really quick because I was a kid and I'm the only one in my whole family who sounds American. So I'm kind of the black sheep in that respect. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I exist in both worlds. And talk about your father, Roger Cook, uh, who uh, wrote Long Cool Woman and a Black Dress. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Two songs we've never heard ever anywhere. <laughs> Today, uh, <laughs> still young. What's, what's, uh, did you... Uh, sing with him what was what was the shot that made you say man I love music and it's something I want to do actually my dad was always like you got to do this on your own he really took it seriously that you're not going to have any street cred if your parents paved the way for you so I think I just absorbed music because he was always writing in the house we always had top writers and singers just hanging around you know and they just sit and pick all day I mean my dad truly loves writing music it's not just a job. It's something he gets up and he has ideas every single day. So I think just being raised around that, I mean, how could I not sort of absorb that? But there was never any, okay, I'm going to teach you how to sing or let's start writing a song, you know, so you understand, you know, song structure. None of that. I was completely on my own, um, really with everything I've, I've ever done. My dad's very supportive. He loves me, but he's like, you, you, you have to create this for yourself. Yeah. I can't do this for you. So I'm thankful for that. I, I really am. But yeah, I think I just, I grew up loving music. My brother, my older brother, Jason, being a drummer, might have had more influence on me than anything because there were bands rehearsing in our basement every day of the week when I was growing up. I grew up with the sound of the drum kit downstairs and, and all these cool rock stars coming in and out of the house, you know? So I was like, I think that was more the draw. Like Jason, was, who's your cute sister? <laughs> yeah, and when that started happening, let me tell you, my brother was like, ew. When I started showing up at the same parties as him, he's like, this is not cool, not cool at all. I'm like 13 wanting to date 18-year-olds that he's hanging out with, super gross. But um, but yeah, that probably influenced me more than anything, honestly. So uh, everyone should go to Apple Music. They can still find it. Reno was the band you were in with your brother. Describe how that came together and what would you call the sound of that band? You do your research. I love it. Oh, I remember that. Somebody's got to. (laughs) Uh, The sound of that band is probably would do well now. Had no place then because I was bringing the country to the table. And, you know, I also grew up on a pretty steady diet of punk rock. So (laughs) that was kind of a weird mix for me. Our guitarist was just kind of a straight up rock guitarist. My brother's just like a punk drummer, you know, nothing can be too fast for him. Um, so it was a weird hodgepodge of stuff, but then we also really wanted to do well and be pretty commercial and have something on the radio. We weren't doing it just for fun. So we kind of really took the whole pop writing thing seriously. I had a publishing deal with EMI and was writing with a lot of great writers, really teaching me that craft. So, I mean, as far as describing it, I mean, I definitely don't have my elevator pitch down for Reno, do I? But I mean, it was like pop country, punk, 
kind of dancey. I mean, it was all over the place. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, it would probably do well now. They they sort of tried to market us as a country band that was a little alternative. I don't, it sounds corny to say we were ahead of our time, but again, I think maybe now there'd be a place for us. At that point, people didn't know what to do with us. We were a little too country for rock and pop radio and I guess a little too pop for country and, you know, kind of, <laughs> it just fell between the cracks to be honest with you, but it wasn't for our lack of trying. I mean, we took that really seriously. I never went to college. I, I consider that like my college years. I just put everything into that. It was living off nothing, sleeping on mattresses and, you know, <laughs> stealing toilet paper out of restaurants, you know, I mean, I was super <laughs> broke, but I spent all day, every day writing songs and, and really took it seriously. Unfortunately, we finally got a record deal from Curb Records here in Nashville we were living in England when we formed and playing over there, but we got our record deal out of Nashville. So that meant we were back here a lot. And the two guys in the band from England were like, this sucks. We're never home with our wives, but I was happy being back here and the stress got too much. And we actually broke up just when we were getting somewhere, which yeah. is pretty sad, but you know, I guess everything happens for a reason. And you're married now to uh, Adam, is it Schoenfeld? Do yes. I say, say that right? Yeah. yeah. And he's a singer songwriter and he's, I mean, you, <clears throat> you are, you know, um, Beautifully talented, uh, photogenic, uh, hosting um, CMT Insider and, and and doing that. Not not just for two, three years. You've been doing this 20 years, right? Yeah, over 20 years now. That's a good run in any broadcast I know. media. And it's crazy how I got that job. I mean, I really didn't know I was going to ever be in television. I mean, I was so focused on being an artist. But, you know, like Joe said, I used to cut hair. I gave you a couple really bad bowl cuts. You did it, man. He she brought up the, the bowl cut. Well, no, I got good. Best. You were really patient. You were like my guinea pig a couple of times. And I watched you walk out the door and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I she sent him out into the world looking like that. It's so bad. I wasn't there for the haircut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get to hang out with Katie. I didn't That's care, right. what, you, I didn't care right. what you did. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Years later, you can the, the truth care. unfold. I uh, like to hear that. I've yeah. always told Katie. Way to come clean. Uh, I've always been in love with her. She's terrific. Uh, just, uh, as you can tell, a great spirit fun to be around yeah. and uh but uh you were always great Aww. at that and she had a little shop right on music row and here in nashville music row in that that area was pretty hot you had restaurants over there there were record labels up and down yeah uh, and you know i i i think most of my business it was funny i it was kind of a business killer, but I'd have all the session guys coming to me with their terrible mullets, you know, the whole business up front party in the back. And I'm like, yeah. listen, I'm going to do you and your wife a favor. Here's what you do. I'd write it down. I'd be like, you go to Sally's beauty. You ask for the clippers. It's going to cost you 25 bucks and you'll never come see me again. And you're going to look way hotter than you do now. Yeah. Go out into the world and be cute. Like you've got to end this whole attachment you have to this awful squirrel thing hanging off the back of your head. Squirrel thing. So yeah. So I kind of like, Actually, would talk a lot of guys out of coming to see me, but but that's you know from there from doing that hair thing on Music Row, and I loved doing hair; it was great. But it was it's hard on your body. Tip your shampoo techs well. That's all I can say because it is really hard on your body. Um, so when I got the opportunity to go back to England and start a band with Jason, I just was like, heck yeah, I got to do this. Um, but then I came back here, and like I said, the band broke up, and I was like, what do I do? And a friend of mine had started working at CMT, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, they're looking for another host. And I was like, but I'm an artist, you know, like I, I got no yeah. business doing that. And they're like, well, they want, they don't want just a normal TV person. Not that there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with that, but they, they really <laughs> want somebody musical that can hang with musicians and talk like that. And I was like, okay, but I had fire engine, red hair, my nose pierced, my lip pierced. I mean, it was, 
I, I look different. I definitely didn't look like what they were used to. I'm not going to Google right in front of you, but I'm, I will have to do some exploring. Yeah. I, I don't want to be creepy about that, but I know I'd love to, to see. Stalker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was really different. And, yeah. and and I went to the audition thinking, well, I mean, first of all, I've just got to pay my bills, right? I mean, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And I didn't really want to go back to cutting hair. It was just, it was too hard on me. And I, I'm, I like to always move forward. I like to do new things. I had done that. So you know, I thought, God, what if I could get paid and meet Dolly Parton? Like that would just be a dream. So I went and auditioned. I didn't know what I was doing, which I think actually. You didn't know me. what you didn't know. I didn't and know so what I didn't you know. didn't know. Yeah. I really wasn't scared because I thought there's no way they're going to hire me. I didn't go to college. I have no journalism degree. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So I just kind of goofed off and, <laughs> and I got a call back and they were like, we like you, but we hate the way you look. Like, is there any way you could just completely change everything? But we like you. And I said, no. I was like, no, I'm, I'm an artist. And if you don't get me the way I am, then, you know, I'm not supposed to have that job. That makes you authentic, which is I, one of the biggest yes. compliments you, I think you can receive is that you, you, you did it on your terms. And, and not a lot of people um, have the position of strength to do that. But clearly, um, knowing what you know, your pedigree, your, your background, your, your songwriting chops and band chops and so forth. By the way, what did you play an instrument or sing or I, I should play a little this, bit but... of ukulele and piano, but not, not very okay. well, just enough to write a song. And then I get real players in to help me finish it. Yeah, well, she's <laughs> um, the singer, you know, things that you talk about hair that has changed over the years, but the last 20 years, um, the biggest change, uh, when Joe and I grew up, uh, you're, you're considerably younger. We, you know, getting an album was a big deal and, and looking at the, you know, especially if it had liner notes and, and, yep. and, oh, if you had the lyrics and you've, you know, fragile, yes, I knew, I knew roundabout like in, you know, three days, but the, the concept of putting out an album and then we go to downloads and everything's compartmentalized. Well, I like that song, but I, I love the story of albums, you know, knowing in your head, here's the first song and I know what goes into this and, the, and you, you can play it in your head. Does it bother you? Does it feel like that, that, that art, artistic ability of writing an album and putting a piece of work together versus top 20 countdown here are the, you know, now, now you just kind of um, do it. You know, you, you buy one or two songs off an album and I, I just, I feel like it's, I don't know. I want to buy the whole thing. Yeah. Is there I, a question in there? I have no idea. Well, but. I can, I can, I can pick something out yeah, there. Can, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I, please, I can roll with this. Please um, help. Yes, I agree. I used to sit there obsessively with an album. You know, I buy an album and it's, it might be all I'd play for like a month. Yeah. And like you said, you would learn every word and you, you'd get to where if you didn't hear the songs in order, it sounded weird. It sounded really weird. Kind of like when you see those commercials for like those compilation albums and you get used to hearing snippets back to back and then you hear the whole song on the radio and you think, that next weird snippet's going to start. Like it gets ingrained in your head. And mm -hmm. I sort of miss that experience of like being so attached to an album. And I agree that I don't think young people have that experience now. However, I will say like, just looking at my daughter, she's 15 and a half. She and her friends, they have massive libraries of music and they are maybe discovering more artists than I ever would have. Yes, it might be one or two songs from each of those artists. But I mean, she just has a massive library. It's so much bigger than I had. So Maybe I always try to be a cup half full kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe there's something beautiful about that now. So a lot of people that can make it, they, I mean, the whole one hit wonder thing, I think that's happening more now than ever because of that. You might only hear one song from me because it's on TikTok or whatever, mm -hmm. but that creates a lot of opportunity for people. So I'm kind of okay with it. 
Where are you in the, uh, where, where's CMT in, in your life now? Well, oh yeah. So to circle back to CMT, yeah, you were giving me a lot of credit saying how authentic I was being. Yeah, a few weeks went by and I got more broke and they called back and they're like, are you sure you don't want to change your hair? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. show me the bleach. So I like whipped out the facial piercings, bleached my hair and went in like, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready to take this seriously. And I got the job. So yeah, here I am 21 years later. <laughs> And I really did think, though, I might do it. When they actually hired me, I was like, oh, my gosh, I fooled them. i got to actually figure out how to be a hair, I mean, not, not a hair person, a TV person now. And, you know, it's funny. I literally would go in and think, just act like someone on TV. Be like, hey, so the next video coming up. And I just, like, try to act like, what, yeah, if, what you do know people do on TV? She, you know she's mocking me. Uh, you know that? Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> no, that was you. me. She was and mocking you. me, she, Okay, you. I can't decide me. which one. But, but, but. <laughs> It's okay. Seriously, though, I didn't. We're right here in front. I know, right? Yes. Yes, you were right here, and I apologize. No, it's the We deserve it. You were my teacher. You were my teacher. That's what is really going on here. It was not to do. Broadcasting 101. But I, yeah, I, year after year, I would say, well, there's no way they're going to keep me another year. They're sooner or later going to figure out that I truly don't know what I'm doing. And it's just kept going and kept going. But I really decided over COVID, like a lot of people, wow, I actually really like being home. And I've only got my daughter home for a couple more years. So I just went to them. I was like, you know, can I just really scale back? Like, I love the job. I'm so, so grateful that you still want me here. But I really, I need to be a mother more than anything for the next couple of years because I'm really going to regret this time if I don't take it. So so they were like, yeah, cool. So I figured out my plan B. I've always loved real estate. So I got a realtor's license and I'm diving way more into the paranormal world than I ever had time to do before. We'll talk about yes, that. Yes, we will. So, and CMT has been really cool about it. I just interviewed uh, Chesney a couple of weeks ago, Tim McGraw last week. So, I mean, if it's an artist that I've known for years and we have really good rapport and they you know, want to work with me, then of course I'm going to be like, yeah, I want to go see my buddy. But for the most part, I'm just kind of laying low and letting the other amazing hosts at CMT have just run with it and take it into the future. But I'm still technically there. Dolly Parton is one of your favorites. <laughs> to, to tell a couple Dolly stories, you've interviewed her so know, many, many times. times. I know. I should have kept count. She is my boo. I love that woman mm. so much. Um, every time I'm around her, I learn more about how to be around people and how to you know, walk into a room with that Dolly energy. I swear I'm going to do a book like the day I met Dolly and I want to get all these people to contribute stories because everyone has a story. She's just amazing. I mean, so many funny little things. Gosh, like one time I was interviewing her and, and we were all done and they, they sat her up out of her chair to go off and talk to someone else. And she looked back and there were some little rhinestones on the chair and she goes, Oh, Dolly droppings. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh, so precious. I just want to put you in my purse and take you she home. She's adorbs. She's so adorbs. The first time we talked, um, it was funny. I was asking her, it was before we were on the set and I was like, I don't know what to wear. You know, what are you going to wear? And you know, as girls do. And, and I kind of joked, I was like, I feel like no matter what I wear, I'm not going to live up. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is audio, not video, yeah. but just yeah. pic- there's a hand gesture. We're picture me. Up. There's a hand yeah. gesture. Yes. I'm trying to jack them up to Jesus. <laughs> I was like, I'm not really sure what to wear to live up. And she looked down at me and she was like, Oh, honey, I think you're just fine. I think they look great, whatever you wear. And I was like, oh, Dolly Parton's complimenting my, my boobs. Oh, it does not get any better than like, that. I put that on my gravestone. <laughs> you know? Mic drop right there. Absolutely. <laughs> she she is the absolute best human. I just think, I really think she's from another planet, but she is here to represent humanity. And, and if the aliens were to land, I hope they meet Dolly first. <laughs> she is amazing. Uh, let me ask you this, doing an entertainment format and and trying to 
have journalistic um, chops. The thing that I found out at Channel 2, there was, and I did not know these people very often, I, I would actually have to do the post CMA show. That's the one in November. And, and at Channel 2, that was the highest rated night of our year because it, it was a lead in and they never went over they, they, because it was in rating. So they got off at 9.58. Um, and so they would have me do the post show. And uh, I can talk to anybody and answer or ask three questions. But I, you know, and that's all I had to do with Taylor Swift and Little Big Town and all this. If I had asked four questions, I was, I was in trouble. Because I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know who they were. But uh, the thing that that kind of I'm trying to think it was Melissa Lambert. Is that Miranda Lambert? M- Miranda Lambert. See, I already see you are horrible. Well, we we she was the number one party or something, and, and so they sent Jenny me there Lambert. to do. And the publicists, and I know they're doing their job, but they, you know, they they set the ground rules, and I'm not used to as a journalist, having ground rules. And, you know, you want to play fair. You want to make sure you can get them the next time. So how do you balance, like, working with, you know, you know they're there to promote something, but maybe there's something that, you know, there's a divorce or there's something happens where you feel like you, you have to at least go there yeah. for your credibility. Yeah, if it bleeds, it leads, right? you yeah. got to squeeze that in there. No, I think, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, whatever they're there to promote, you ask those questions last because then they have to hang around till you get to the point. Oh, yeah, that- that's good. <laughs> There you go. That's one of the little tricks. No, I think, you know what? I was always interested in having long-term relationships with these people, including Mm -hmm. the PR people, Mm because they end up working with a lot of different, you know, artists. So you never burn them. It's never worth it for one good rating. So, you know, and CMT thankfully always agreed with that kind of tactic. So you make them really happy, but they also know, you know, they're professionals. They know I'm there to do a job. The person at home is dying for me to ask a certain question. Why did you get that DUI or whatever? Mm-hmm. So, you know, without ever wanting to burn people, you work it in, but you do it with just a lot of respect. You can do that and not be tacky, you know, and give just give the person a chance to answer the way they want to. Luckily, it's it's CMT. It's not CNN. And, you know, if they, if, they are, if they really don't want to answer something, I get to move on and I don't get fired. I've talked to other hosts that were, you know, with – all these big entertainment shows and they're like, well, I'll get fired if I don't keep pushing back with that person. I'm like, and you'll never get to interview them again. I hope it was worth it. That's, 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 that's great advice. When I did the Fisher show, we would actually, dare I say, choreograph. I'd say, Jeff, I'm going to ask you about uh, Pac-Man's arrest and you're going to answer. And then I'm going to push you and you're going to answer. And I'm going to push you one more time because my credibility, you know, half the people think I'm too soft on you. And the other half think I'm uh, a jerk to you. So I, I need to find that, that sweet spot. But we, he just said, fine, just, I know I'm not going to answer the question. I'll answer, I'll give you an answer. It just won't be an answer, the answer, you know? So well, I, I do a little bit of media training with people. And I always say, you can give an answer that protects your, your personal life and maybe even isn't answering the question, but it's such a good soundbite yeah. that the host is going to be so happy and they're going to move on. So learn to do that. You know, like Dolly, another thing she said to me one time, um, I I said, oh, we're going to cover a little bit of this and that, you know, before the camera's rolling. She goes, oh, you can ask me anything you want. I'm going to tell you what I want you to hear. (laughs) And I was like, there you go. And and when Taylor Swift was really new, uh, I remember one time I had to ask her, but she was dating that Jonas brother or something like that. And, and I asked her on camera, you know, what's it like to have this relationship, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And she had a, you know, an answer that basically scooted around it. Like, I'm a lucky girl, but let's move along. And afterwards, when the cameras weren't rolling, she's like, I'm so sorry, I can't give you more of an in-depth answer. I said, no, you gave me a great answer. I said, you protect yourself. It's my job to ask. It is your job to protect yourself. I can't do that for you. 
So I was like, always be bold in that. Know what your answer is going to be and stick to it. But you gave me an answer. That's all I needed. Yeah. And it was a great soundbite. Well, the best people promote, you're promoting country music and you do a great job. So you know when to back off, you know when to stick it. Yeah. And uh, you're just a great centerpiece, air traffic control, if you will, oh. of all these people that come in and around. And one of the big things that was big in Nashville years ago was the ABC series Nashville, where you played yourself yeah, uh, a couple on times. that show. But wasn't that, I thought that was a, why did that show fail? Why is it still not whoa, on? Whoa, 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 that didn't fail. It didn't fail. It was on for many seasons. Well, right? it why is it still our, not on now? It saved our, I don't mean it was fail. a Wednesday night. Well, no, it, yeah. you know, after the first season, we thought, are they going to re-up? They re-upped it five, four, four or five, and yeah. then it went into syndication. I thought it was a much bigger hit than, than they ever expected. I, we, why did it stop? Uh, well, I uh, storylines. I just got maybe a little I tiresome. Know. I don't you can know. only so Nashville it. I <laughs> well, and it and it's expensive to do dramas yeah. like that. I mean, it's not you know that's why uh, game shows do so well because you know you're paying the host, but then you're you know you're inventory of people off the street and you have a set with bright lights, but it's not mm-hmm. it's not a you're not paying actors and so forth. I mean, I mean, you may feel differently about that, but I just when I worked. At the ABC station, that was a godsend for us. We did, you know, every investigative good piece that we could, you know, we saved save that for Wednesday night because because, because that's the night that's people it. are watching. Yeah. Well, everywhere I go in the country, uh, everyone wants to come in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's pretty wild. It's, it's going to change our demographics in a lot of way, and that's going to make some people happy and some people not happy. But isn't that interesting? You think of how many people are moving here and how many people are like, I'm out, I'm getting priced out, and they're leaving I mean, Nashville 10 years from now, or Middle Tennessee period, might look really different. I hope not. <laughs> it's, it's good and bad it's to all, all the people, of it. It's, it's the, t- the, the two states they're coming from are the places I'm at all the time, California and New York. Their states suck, and they're coming to <laughs> Nashville and seeing, man, this is how it's supposed to be done. So when you come to Tennessee, abide by the way we've been enjoying life for years. Be a Tennessean. I, I Be agree a with Tennessean. that. Be a Tennessean. Yeah, I, I love Tennessee. I love being a Tennessean. <laughs> you you are a, really a, a Renaissance woman. You you have so many different talents. Um, and so let's talk about your podcast. And and yes. it's so kind that you're you're giving time for us. And and as we start to launch, wide open wonders. Yes. A paranormal uh, podcast. What. What is going on? What is going on? That's the billion dollar question. Well, you know, it's funny. So Wide Open Wonders, I started, um, I've, I've always been into ufology since the time I was, gosh, like probably like 15, 16 years old. I started getting super obsessed and just reading. I, I mean, <laughs> I hardly ever read anything fictional. I'm always just devouring books about the paranormal and ufology. And for years I was like, I, I, I've got to do a TV show around this or a radio show or something. And then, you know, the whole podcast thing started really taking off. It's like, well, I'll just do this myself. I don't have to wait for permission or mm-hmm. some producer to come along. Um, but I found it was really hard to do it all by myself. And I've now joined MUFON WhatsApp, which is on KGRA Digital Broadcasting. And now I'm part of a team. I'm one of three hosts. And, oh, my gosh, it's it's a whole different world. So we're doing that live every Tuesday nights. And so that's I, I just really recommend you guys are smart doing it together. It is hard when you do a podcast all by yourself, but if you're asking about the paranormal thing and, and why I'm drawn to that, I've had a really paranormal life. I mean, from the time I was really young, I've not been able to explain a lot of things that have happened to me. And I was kind of closeted for a long time. I, I didn't know who to talk to about these things. And that's why I was just reading all these books all the time. 
And I have really found my tribe as I've gotten older. I've, I've always gone to UFO conferences and wanted to meet all these speakers and they've, they've become my friends. And I've really found this family that, you know, when I'm around them, I'm not the weird girl. I, I can just talk about my experiences. They can talk about theirs and we all accept each other. And I really needed that in my life. So I'm feeling a real pull to be able to give that to other people. I know there are people that are going to hear this that are like, I've seen a ghost. I saw a UFO. I think I've had an encounter with a non-human entity and you got to know there's somewhere to go. And so the more we destigmatize this field, uh, the better off we are. And of course, Congress just held the open hearing and, and, and there wasn't a lot in it, but the one thing they said, over and over again was we have to destigmatize this. Pilots need to be able to report what they've seen without fearing, you know, losing their job. Um, I mean, it's important. You're over there chuckling. You better tell me if you see something, Joe King. I have a story. <laughs> I have seen some. Really? Yeah. Can you tell me? Sure. We were, uh, it's, it's, I've only had one, um, but we left here. Actually, we were in Nashville, which was unusual, and we were going to New York. And so this is probably about 4 a.m., and uh, we're headed up through it. We get under Atlanta air traffic control. So we're probably, um, you know, between Knoxville and Chattanooga kind of area. And it's probably, I think we're probably about 35,000 foot at that time. And from right to left. So picture that in your mind, you know, we're headed here towards the Northeast, probably. So from the East, Southeast moving right to left, very fast are all these dots mm. and they're just, they're, they're together. Um, and they're organized and they are going lightning fast and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And it's, uh, it's almost like they're in a tube, you know, they, they're dancing, but they won't get outside themselves. And then in the end is a couple of them, like a, a, like a duck would herd their little ducks. And so whoosh, all this went by in a series of, you know, probably a minute and moving very fast and Atlantic. Uh, Atlanta control comes on and goes, you guys seeing anything up there? And I'm like, yeah, we just watched the whole thing. And it goes, we have no idea what that is. So they caught it on the radar. Yep. Wow. So that's my only story. I mean, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Did you report it? Just there. Yeah. Just like that. See, we don't even know, like MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, they get reports every day. They get thousands of reports a month probably. Um, but how many people don't report? I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to that have seen something in the sky and they, they don't report it to MUFON. So we really have no idea how much is happening. But every time I bring up just the paranormal topic, even just really just all things paranormal, you know, let's not say just UFOs. If I bring that up around anybody, everybody's got at least one story. You know, we are living a very unusual life. This reality is not what we've been told it is. And there's so much more to it. And I just want it to be okay for everyone to talk about it because there's something in there that we all really need to be paying attention to. I think it's beautiful. It scares a lot of people, but it's beautiful. Uh, trying to tie this back to country music. Is, is there, is there a, a, a certain um, artist or somebody that, that, uh, that, that feels the same way and, and, and you kind of talk with and is somebody you could mention or maybe not? Well, but, uh, yeah, actually, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot more artists that will come forward again if we continue to yeah. destigmatize this. Loretta Lynn has a ghost in her house, the brown lady. Travis Tritt has a vacation home that's haunted. Um, those are just a couple that come to mind that have been willing to talk publicly about it. But you know what? Gosh, it it knows no boundaries, no cultural you know separation. Like people all around the world experience this, and people that live rurally really experience this. I don't know. 
I don't know if it's even just geographic or just so you live a little bit of a slower life, you know, a little bit less stimulation around you. I think you're even more sensitive and likely to see a ghost or, you know, and have again, a dead loved one come visit. And when again, is this podcast? So Tuesday nights, okay. uh, you can go on YouTube to the KGRA page and okay. see it. It's from 8 to 10 Eastern PM uh, every Tuesday night. And you can also go to KGRADB dot com and get a subscription and see them anytime there's a lot of great shows on there i love it it makes me so happy to do this podcast and thank you for asking about it yeah that's good you want to get to you questions ask your questions time for questions questions question we have questions okay, let me get a sip of my water here wet my whistle oh gosh okay, okay. rapid fire Nothing, I, nothing, nothing, uh, you're, you're going to be fine with it. I don't speak rapid, so I'll just do my best. I don't think we've really had a rapid fire round yet. No, we really, we, we've had a fire, we've not even had a fire. They we've usually, had more, we've had more of a, of a, of, of, of not a, not a fire, just a, a, a smoke or something. I don't know. If I'm going on too long, just do the, no. the cut. What, shut up. You'll start talking about something more interesting than we are, so it'll be better. Go ahead. What do you got, Joe? Katie, what's the last book you read? Um, I, right now, am reading Making Contact, Alan Steinfeld, and it's great because it's a bunch of chapters written by all these different ufologists, so I highly recommend that one. What's the most outrageous thing you've ever done and gotten away with? Landed a job on TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's true for all of us. That is. Period. That is is true. Let's see. How many uh, call letters do you have? Um, I have no call letters on my resume. No, I don't. No, I just have talent. What was your first car? A Hyundai XL. It looked like a little egg. Ah. It was tiny, and I I butchered that poor thing. I didn't even know you had to change the oil. (laughs) I drove it for like eight years, and it never broke down on me. So don't make fun of Hyundais. They're pretty great. Wow. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Bad breath. I mean, <laughs> okay, all right. I took a Listerine. I hope well, I'm all, we're, all, we're all checking right now. We're yeah. so funny. Katie walks in. She goes, "Let me pull out." We all been coffeeing up. She goes, "Let me pull out," and I've got my Listerine strips, and I think she has hers. Are you cool mint, or you like the? I like the cool mint. Oh, Do I need man. another one? Not at all. Be honest. I can take it's it. It's hard to find fellow lovers of the strips. I can't live without these Listerine cool mint strips proud sponsors of the second cup of Joe and John (laughs) I love that yeah no those are so good I hate bad breath I hate mean people um don't drive like a jerk on the interstate that's not cool don't do that. Well, that don't get behind Joe and me. She doesn't like either one. No, of them, no she so. doesn't. No, I'll tell you another pet peeve: when you haven't seen someone in years, and they're like, "Let's go to a restaurant and get dinner." And you're like, "Okay." You sit down, and they're like, "So, what's up?" And you're like, "Um, I haven't even cracked my menu yet. I am not going to have a conversation with you until I know what I'm going to eat. That's just bad form. So just zip it till I know what I'm going to eat." Okay, we got ground rules. Good, 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 good info there. What's in your CD player now? Gosh, well, Daisy has taken over the CD player, so it's all Harry Styles and Mitski, Sunroom. So I, I don't really get to listen to a lot. When I do, though, it's pretty much an audio book about UFO stuff. Oh, but I will tell you, okay, the last song I obsessed on, Lord Huron, Mine yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I got the feeling from that song that I haven't had since I was like a teenager listening to music. Like, I, I've had it on repeat. So that song is just sublime. What about Suncat? Is it in there? Uh, I can't listen to myself. I can't watch myself on TV and I can't listen to myself much. But yeah, Suncat, my duo with Adam, 
I, I am really proud of that. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, and I should say I produced my husband's album, and that's out now. And I, I actually have been listening to that a lot. So where is? When, do you sleep at all? Yeah. No. I mean, honest to God, you're busy. Yeah, I, I don't sleep. And and children, you you, you have three total, I think, in your family. Yeah, I've you, got one, my child Daisy right. Rocket, and then my stepkids Sophia and Hawk. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just must be Daisy Rocket. Sleep when you're dead, right? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Oh my goodness. Um. Childhood nickname. Cookie. Cookie. Well, and one guy yeah. called me Hot Rod, but that's the story <laughs> for another day. Hello. <laughs> We're on to something. I see that. Forget this rapid fire. How about, how about unabridged? <laughs> what's, uh, what's your best tip for being a mom? Mm. Somebody told me when I was young that consistency is everything. Like even when you'd like first bring them home from the hospital, but I think consistency is key. It makes them feel safe. Even if they don't like what you're being consistent about, you know, just knowing that someone is in charge allows a kid to be a kid. So I think that's really important when they're young. And I think when they get older, it's about communication. Uh, I've started a habit with my daughter as soon as she started going to school, just saying, tell me about your day, not just good or bad. I want to know when you walk through the door, that first period to the end, tell me about everything. And, even if it's not that an important of a conversation, it just develops that muscle of communication that I think comes in really handy later. Um, you know, just to be in that habit of checking in every single day. And then I would say when your kids get older, just try not to react to everything. Like just let them talk because you can't guide them if you're flipping out about everything they say. Um, they're going to say stuff you don't want to hear, but at least if you hear it, then you can try to offer some guidance. So I would say that's it. And just, you know, sleep a lot and put on your seatbelt because it's going to be wild. <laughs> sleep a lot. Sleep a lot when you can. Final, final question. Uh, what's on your bucket list? Doesn't have to be your top list thing you've never done, but is there something out there that you would like to? Uh, mm. How long do we have? Uh, <laughs> Where is your next success story? Um, so my children's book or young reader's book, Little Big Benny, I have just done a re-edit of that, and I'm really proud of that. And I want to see that animated. I'm going to see that animated. Um, that's really important to me. I want to go to Gobekli Tepe. I want to go to, to all the sacred sites in the world. I'm going to go to Egypt in February. That's been a bucket list oh one. So, Good. Um, yeah, I, I want to see the world, and I want to make sure, you know, when I die that I've convinced a lot more people that aliens are here, take them seriously, and don't make fun of people that see ghosts and stuff and – we all have psychic powers, so just turn it on, crank it up. And rip the knob off. Let's let's do some woo-woo, people. Let's destigmatize this stuff. Let's go let's go to eleven. <laughs> Get Take it up it to, to 11. eleven. There you go. <laughs> Good. All right, that's questions. 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 Good stuff. So I think uh I'll rewind slightly. Uh check out Katie's Suncat Ben. Adam uh ad, her husband adds a, a really raw Adam has a ACDC cover band. I think the man can rock it and he makes a living playing guitar for Tim McGraw. So there's nothing the guy can't play. Uh, but that, that CD is real good. I've listened to it. Thank you. And Adams I haven't, is, is just rocking as well. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of good music coming out of your house. Thank you. And when are you playing again? Uh, we're done. You know, government cheese did our two shows. We'll put it to bed and what? Hope, hopefully people, that's buy not our, the answer buy I want. Our new CD, love. <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got a new CD out called yeah. Love. Wait, I've, I've played it four or five times. It's really, 
They think it's some of their good stuff. I should have brought I think you it's today. stunning that you guys can be in your 50s and 60s and one still get along yeah. and two be alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean they have they have you have you guys have had some colorful things but you're still great buddies. They had a great show in Louisville, great show in Nashville at Basement East. So um yeah, but they don't want to do it too often. Like you know, because then 20 people show up. <laughs> like you you want 4 or 500 people like, "Oh, yeah, we forgot we haven't seen you in a while. Mm-hmm. So let's see, you're 58. That's it. So you're going to play again when you're 64. I think. Uh, you know, uh, we're all of us at this age here. You know, Katie's got her gigs. Katie's very successful real estate person now and then still does her music. So we all kind of do our thing and then still do our music. Uh, so that's what's fun about it, I guess, because it doesn't matter. Yeah, in in our younger days, everything we did hinged on that. And that was our lives and who we hung out with and the ridiculous things we did. Uh, but now it's just fun to do music and it doesn't matter if one person listens to it or a hundred thousand listen to it. That That's, would be I better. Agree. No, I totally agree. I'm at a stage in my life. I'm sure some of the moves I'm making right now, people are like, That's odd. Why is she doing that? I'm getting up every day right now and doing the things I really want to do in my life. Because you can't wait. I mean, we're at that age where, I mean, it's sad, but a lot of our friends aren't making it. And it's like, I'm still here, so I have to get up every day with purpose and do what I want to do. And no, it doesn't hinge on whether or not it makes me money. Frankly, most of the things I love to do don't make me any money, but but that's okay. I'm I'm happy and I'm doing exactly what I want to do with my life because we are not promised tomorrow. So. That's true. Well, Katie, uh, thank you for coming. And I think we're the same on sometimes when your ambition <laughs> Uh, exceeds your talent, you can do one of two things. You can fear it or you can embrace it. And so it's it's good to grab it and hug it and rip it apart. Yes. And you definitely have done that. And God bless you and your great family. And uh, thanks you coming on for coming on here for the mm-hmm. second cup of Joe. And John. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you. It's the second cup of Joe and John as their guests expound on any and all topics within the realm of decency. Want to be a sponsor? Let a TV and radio guy help build your business. Email joekingwx at gmail.com or text 615-289-1703. Now, hold on tight and grab another second cup of Joe and John.